Dunn spun away, looking, shooting! Dunn with a goal! Well done by What's good? Welcome to another episode of Diaspora United. I was going to say it's been a minute. It only feels like it's been a minute because so much has happened. News won't stop. The news won't stop newsing. But we're here. We're going to talk about most of it. Probably not all of it, but most of it. I'm Andre Carlisle, and I am here with my pod co-host, as she would say, I guess as I started to say too, which I don't know where I got it from, but partner in crime? Maybe stop saying that. I don't know. Uh, Courtney, Courtney, how are you doing? We're doing crimes on behalf of black women. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. Um, doing fine. Um, stressed about the liberty, per usual. Always stressed about them. But, you know, it's Tuesday. Didn't get fired from a job today. So, you know, having a good time. <laughs> it's always important. Employment is necessary for continued payment of bills. So I get it. Health insurance, truly. Oh, God, that's who this country. Goodness, I was like, Jesus. this country sucks. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so many things are backwards as hell. Oh, yeah. But we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, ooh, I think I was trying to think. I was like, do I have anything else I need to chat with you about that's not like soccer related before we get into like the review and everything else? I don't think so. Mm, Good. Not that I can think of. Okay, well then. We'll move on. Still review. Um <laughs> I love this review. This is from Ted Ernst. Shout out to Ted. Uh, titled, Best Women's Soccer Show. That's high praise. Appreciate it, Ted. Review reads as such. Andre and Courtney are the best, especially when Andre is heated and Courtney is tired. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> and, then, and then we have a joke, a dad joke. What did zero say to eight? Damn it, Ted. That's a good one. <laughs> Damn well it, done. Ted. <laughs> we I appreciate just... it. Courtney and Andre are the best. Especially when Andre's heated and Courtney is tired. Like That's like the, the default setting to the podcast is that I'm heated, Courtney's tired, and that and we hop on and re- re-record every week. That's the way it works. I I mean I messaged you this before we started, but I was like, Andre, stop. What is this review? <laughs> It's an exceptional review. It, it it distills the energy quite well, and I love it. Um, so yeah, we we really appreciate it. Thank you again for leaving so many reviews. We have so many to choose from. Continue to drop reviews in there. If you're a new listener, welcome. Thank you for checking us out. Uh, drop a review in there, five stars. We really appreciate it. And a little review about the podcast. Uh, if you are wondering what the dad joke thing is all about, Courtney, just out of nowhere tweeted to, to leave dad jokes in the reviews to force me to read them. Uh, and apparently people really, really, really uh, respond to that. And so we have a ton of dad jokes. So if you want to scroll through the reviews yourself and laugh a little bit, there are some classics in there that we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, but we do try to get to everybody. So we give them a little shout out uh, on the pod. Look, I'm just saying continue leaving dad jokes in the reviews. Yes. Just keep doing it. Never stop. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with this just being our thing, even though when I read them, I feel ridiculous, but it's fine. <laughs> I have the, it's like the greatest time of my life, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Leave them so that Courtney has a great time and I just feel awkward. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I'll get over it. Um, in this episode, we are, we're going to hit on a bunch of things, uh, to be honest. Uh, so we are kind of going to go 
start with the international tournament roundup. We're just going to kind of talk about the games in general and kind of highlight some some performances and talk about perhaps maybe a Club World Cup. How about it? Uh, we're going to talk about some NWSL transfers, plus get Courtney's thoughts on what Gotham is doing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the NWSL table as well because it looks bonkers. I don't know if y'all have seen it, but pull it up, look at it. It's absolutely ridiculous. There are eight teams, very, very close at points. Six playoff spots, it's getting bonkers. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Chris Ward's situation, spirit head coach, what went on with that. There's not a lot of information, but there is a lot to say about it. Um, so I'm going to get into that. And at the end, y'all know, roster was dropped for the U U.S. Women's National Team for the September friendly. So we're going to talk about that because folk are wild and we don't appreciate it. So we're going to address it. Over the weekend, a lot of the international tournaments, you know, some preseason tournaments for some of the European teams that came over, but of course, some other teams like you know, a couple of Liga Mekis from Nil teams. We had a team from Japan come over. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the key highlight games. We're not going to review everything. Um, it was the Women's Cup hosted in Louisville, Kentucky. Of course, there was the Women's ICC that was in Portland. Uh, so... I think in terms of highlights, I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, kind of got you started on seeing some of the intrigue in the games. Tokyo Verde uh, team beat Tottenham 2-1. to one. <laughs> You had Club America and AC Milan played to a 5-4 scoreline. The last, like, what, 20, 25 minutes of that match was just wild. <laughs> Absolutely wild. They're, like, trading goals. It was a fun, fun, fun game. Uh, no defense, all vibes, for real, for real. Energy. Um, <laughs> Love that energy. energy. Monterey, Rayadas beat uh, Portland. Uh, it was two. Portland was up 2 0. They came back 2 2, one on penalties. Uh, Rayadas then in the, in the championship game gave Leon hell in the first 20 minutes. That was a lot of fun. They ended up losing 4 nothing, but it was really just Edler. She's great, extremely great, very great. <laughs> and she wouldn't let the ball go through. There are a couple barely missed shots. I think uh, Rayadas almost scored with a back heel in like the first minute. It was like they were on was the go. crazy. <laughs> they were on their neck. It was hilarious. Um, and, you know, actually, I got one other thing I'm going to talk about afterwards. Um, so I'm going to move it in our little rundown. But, Courtney, every time these, every time these tournaments happen, I always and forever, and honestly, it's me, so I can be real with y'all. Even outside of the tournaments happening, <laughs> any other month of the of the calendar, I will be talking about and demanding a Club World Cup. So honestly, what the, like it makes me when when I see the matchups happen live in this tournament, it even like exacerbates even how pat how much more passionate I am about this finally becoming a thing. How do you feel about it? I just think that we need it. Like seeing the Women's Cup. Um... Also seeing, you know, bits of the ICC when uh, I was not reporting about Gotham and, you know, catching games in between, like, it's just, it's just fun. Like, there are matchups that we don't, like, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen, I don't know, <laughs> I actually, I would say, I don't, I'm fairly confident in saying that I don't think Radis has ever played Leon before. Yeah, I think, I think that would be a first. I, think, I was like, I'm I think confident that's a fair, in saying that. <laughs> I was like, I think that's a fair assessment to say. Um and, you know, the fact that Aradis was given Leon hell for the first 20 minutes, like, hell. and not only shows the strength um, of 
like Riata's as a team, but also the strength of like Liga Emeki's Femenil as a league. And I know that there was a lot of racismo coming on. Sure was. That have been coming out about Liga Mekis Feminine. We're going to talk about that later, especially um, with me official. But look, I'm just saying they were given Leon Hell. And even though they lost 4 0, if one of them goals went in, it would have been a fully different ball game. And so it's just fun seeing matchups like this. One of the funniest things to me is people who will look at the scoreline and be like, yeah, I expected that 4 0. First of all, it's like, you know, you needed to watch the game because to be honest, like, the first goal was a penalty. It was a deserved penalty, but the first goal was a penalty. That match could have gone a number of ways. If Riotis was up 2-0 after, after 20 minutes, I would not have been surprised because they had that many chances. They 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 were on Leon's necks. But the other thing is, y'all gonna sit here and tell me that a 4-0 scoreline means a whole hell of a lot when, what, in domestically, in Leon's league, how many times have you beaten teams in that league 4-0 or worse? Like, like the level of competition, yeah, the level of competition is a lot better than what people think. And I, I do think the 4-0 scoreline flatters Leon. Yes, Leon is amazing there. I mean, they won the Champions League um, past season and beat Barcelona, which is an exceptional team, um, and, and just halted them. And, of course, yes, there's always a thing. And this is, I think this is starting to become a thing for me and more of a reason because I think, yes, I want to see, I think it would be so helpful to the growth of, Domestic club football for women. I think the, the women's teams need it. I think grassroots needs it because national teams are such so small. You need more investment to be able to find a wider range of talent. And the only way you can do that is to empower club teams to go out and scout and find it. And that's not just like isolated to your country. Like go out and find the talent and bring the talent into the team, develop the talent. And I think that that, more than anything, is what's going to help grow the women's game even more than it already is. It's grown in the past couple of years, or a few years, really. Um, but the other thing is, those European teams get a free pass, I'm telling you. If they lose, oh, it's preseason. If they win, oh, well, you know, they're just dominant. They're, they're better at the game than anybody else. And it's like, yo, it can't be exactly. both. So for me, I want to see it because I want to stop all that. Like, give me full strength. Full strength, mid-season form or whatever, late-season form or whatever. Give me not preseason. And I, I know scheduling is like the hardest part of this thing, but it is worth it. It would be so worth it to make this work. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think, at least off the top of my head, I think somewhere in the international calendar of like, I don't know, maybe like a November, I feel like would work. Um, a November and October, like October, November um, could work for a lot of teams because I feel like teams in Europe are well into their season but there's you know obviously going to be some sort of international break or like break in the schedule where they can do that um the NWSL like I don't know I think that it either has to be like I mean I think a fall date would probably be best anyway that's just me spitballing um just think of like aligning international calendars and things like that but yeah I think that point especially about teams in Europe like they really do get a pass like you know if like when Chelsea beat Portland, like if Chelsea had lost Portland, like people would be like, oh, well, you know, Chelsea's in, you know, it's a preseason and stuff like that. But also if they dominated Portland, it was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, of course, like. And so, yeah, it's um, it's honestly quite annoying because no other teams really kind of get that slack on both sides of yeah. like, oh, yeah, if you lose, it's fine. If you win, it's fine, Um, which is frustrating, which is why I also agree. There needs to be some type of like 
very serious tournament. Maybe it's like a thing is you can't do February because then the NWSL and yeah. also Liga Mekis Femenil isn't really in season. We're going to figure out a proper date. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've, I've kind of kicked around the a couple ideas like in my head. Like I think it could also be something where there's enough overlap on both ends of like the European calendar. You know, like you were talking about the fall. There's some, of course, in the spring slash summer um, entry into summer. So there's like some overlap that does happen. And I think using those moments is important. So whether you do it as like a one one period is almost like a group stage qualification situation and the other stage is like a mini knockout round tournament, or maybe the European teams could. And this this is another thing where I don't think it has to be annual either. I think you just need to get it on the schedule and make it a regular thing. So I think you could do something that kind of is every other year, perhaps. And then every other year, some of the teams in Europe who are going to be and some of the teams around the world who are going to participate in this thing, make sure that they have their teams ready for like um, uh, either like a late May, early June situation. So they have like a couple more weeks they can tack on for a couple matches or something uh, beyond the end of their um, regular season. So I don't know. I, I just think that there are solutions. I know you need to get like work with all of the leagues that you, that are going to be invited. It is a massive undertaking but i just when i when i watch these tournaments i just get so happy to see because the styles just the clashes like leon was punched in the mouth because they weren't used to what was happening <laughs> they weren't mm -hmm. used to that they were used to the way that riadas plays the way that the the game down there in league mekis femenil is and that's the stuff that it makes it so intriguing to see teams have to cope with that who wins who doesn't eventually Leon was able to turn it. They got a penalty. They got a couple other good goals, and they turned the game. But that game could have gone a number of ways in that first 20 minutes. It looked like if Riotis could keep that up, especially if they could get a goal or two, things were going to get real interesting. And I just want to see that on a big stage, a meaningful stage, where it's a tournament and it has all the backing that you need, the platform that it needs. And it's not just a preseason tournament for only one group of the teams. It's a it's a it's a legit tournament. Yeah, one hundred percent. And even though I will say with the Club World Cup, I think a good thing to do is like because teams in Europe just already have so much of the infrastructure of just a lot of FAs being like, Well, that's what the men do. Let's have the women yeah. do it. Um, and so I think also a big part of it is growing like conquest like CONCACAF women's side on the club side maybe setting like a CONCACAF women's tournament well yeah like a women's club tournament <laughs> or something like that and I actually would be really interested as well to have um if it's possible to have like the USLW league come into it too mm, yeah that would be interesting because yeah. I mean like I don't know I just think that's like we don't want to see like just WS uh NWSL and just league at Mickey's Feminine and I mean I to be fair I do know that there are other leagues in and around CONCACAF as well. Um, but yeah, like find like finding a way to kind of bring a lot of them together. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think, and that is, I think that's a great point because a lot of people do, and I and I, I tweeted this and boy, it, a lot of people took it in a lot of different directions, but a lot of people do, do just kind of assume because of the way men's soccer goes that that's the way it works in the women's game as well. And it's just not true. Like, and I, I believe the Club World Cup on the men's side isn't really even a thing 
you know, it's a thing. And if you win it, you add it to your little list of trophies. I know Chelsea did that when they won it. I was like, Chelsea won it last year, the year before. Yeah. And a a team from Europe has won it the past nine consecutive seasons. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I can guarantee you that would not be the case in the women's game. (laughs) It just would not be the case in the women's game at all. Um, Yeah. Anything else on that before I move to a very, very final point, a final point about all that action? Um, this is somewhat tangentially related, but when you were talking about the importance of like visibility, because I know that there have been a lot of signings. Like I know, for example, Carla Riley has just signed for um, a Liga Emekis feminine team. Also, if I'm remembering correctly, she's a national team player for South Africa, just won the Women's uh, Africa Cup of Nations tournament. And so I feel like just like coming off this summer of so many um, international tournaments, and I know that we're going to get to Gotham later because Gotham has now made a f- uh, new few signings. Also, just how important it is to have international vis- visibility for like international teams. But by that, I mean, you know, the fact that we here in the U.S. could watch the Women's Africa Cup of Nations and also watch CONCACAF and also watch the Euros. And I feel like when you grow... Or when you make it accessible on the international side as well, you will see that trickle into your domestic leagues, which is awesome. Because now I'm so excited. I mean, I was always excited to watch Liga Mekis Femenil. But, you know, now that there are players that I really, really know, like Carla Riley, um, who is also just like a baller. Um, but, you know, that's like really, really exciting as well. And I feel like it's also tangentially related to having more international tournaments and being able to see players from other leagues. In an accessible yeah. way. Yes, completely agree. Um, to close us out on this topic, I just have to, y'all know we Chelsea supporters, right? We Chelsea fans. Just in case you're new listening, I need to throw that out there. Disclaimer. But and I have a lot of new followers who are, I'm like, y'all are about to get ready for a rude awakening. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> it's coming. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know why I've heard this and I don't know why I've had to say this, which feels like a completely obvious thing to me, but apparently it is not to some people. So I felt like it was worth saying on the pod just so people are clear in case they don't end up following me on the tweets. Kadisha Buchanan is very good. Incredible at footballing activities. <laughs> Incredible. Like, I don't know what football folks are watching when they don't aren't, aren't seeing it. Like, I... I'm in a little Slack chat with like some other Chelsea people and they're really excited about another potential midfielder that Chelsea could sign and saying like, oh, she's going to be the signing of the summer. I'm like, no, sir. The signing of the summer is, was, and will be Khadija Buchanan. Unless we happen to sign Katarina Macario, <laughs> this is the, the signing like, of the summer. <laughs> right. Like. The signing of the summer is Buchanan. She is exceptional. Ex- so, so, so good. There was um, so many, her passing range is excellent. She is she dry her dribbling. She understands when to drive to break through the press. She understands positioning to receive passes. Very good at reading play and, and defensive um instabilities whenever they show up and reacting to them quickly. She went, listen, this is another thing that happened in the ICC. She went step for step, shoulder to shoulder with Sophia Smith. Do you know how many people win that battle? It ain't many. Not many. I don't think you even need a standard a standard hand. Like you don't need five fingers on one hand. You you can have three, I think, and maybe and maybe you get to three. But there ain't many that can do that. And she did it, and it was it was great to like. They had a battle, and it was hurting my heart. So I was like, I like both of y'all. Can y'all stop fighting? Uh, but, but it was it was incredible to see because both of them were just at their best. And 
doing what they do. And it was so good. So yeah, I just, I had to get that out there because it was on my heart and I was just like, y'all are, I don't know what's happening, but y'all are killing me. I, I, Buchanan is so good and I don't know why people don't know. Actually, I do. I do. I know why people don't. But she is. She's one of the top, what, one or two center backs in the game right now. And depending on what aspect of defending you're talking about, she definitely ain't number two. So yeah, it just such a baller. Yeah, no, she is absolutely incredible. Like, it's so, it makes me so mad when, like, and maybe, it's, I don't know. I feel like part of it is because she's center black. Center black. Center black. Part of it is because she's black. black. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, part of it is because she's a center black. Part of it is because she's black. But, like, for you to not recognize her greatness, objectively, how dare you? Right. Like, you're going to, you're not going to sit here and act like she's not an Olympic gold medalist. Well, we know how hard it is to win that Olympics tournament. Right. Like, Rock. and also a, like a five-time Champions League winner. Like her <laughs> resume, and I mean, she's literally my age. And her resume yes. from Lyon is absolutely insane. She is so good and is so young. Like easy signing of the season. Unless you go out there and get something crazy. Like Cat, right. Grasque, Oro. I don't know. I'd also die if like Crystal Dunn came back. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, she has she, as uh, Fred of the Pot Silve said, she did not name her cat after Portland. All I'm saying, all I'm saying, all I'm saying. But yeah, like people need to recognize her greatness. Hopefully, I'm hoping that when she gets into WSL mode and just starts like shepherding people along and being like, no, 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 like people will start to recognize it. Yeah. But how they don't recognize it right now is honestly kind of disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, there were times in that game where. You know, as much as I love Magda Erickson, she got beat. Transition game, it's very different to deal with with Portland. Buchanan was behind to sweep up. Millie Bright got beat. Buchanan was behind to help out. There were there were times when that happened. <laughs> and, if, and if she was not there, that's a lot more danger. Uh, Chelsea would have faced a lot more danger than they actually did. So, yeah, she's, she's incredible. All right, so that's that on that. Let's see. We're going to move on, and we're going to talk about the NWSL next. All right, so we are back. We're going to talk about some NWSL transfer business. We're going to talk about the table, and this is a part where we're going to get in at the end. I'm going to, I'm going to chat a little bit about the Chris Ward situation. But first, um, let's see. Well, let, let's just start, start off with Valerie Govon. That was the, the news that dropped today. She was traded from North Carolina to Houston. Um, Houston is, I mean, just developing... I, a squad, a squad and a half. I'm very in- interested to see how they play. I do wonder if Govan is going to be like a backup forward to Salmon or if they're going to try and play him at the same time. I don't really know, but it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, just hope Govan is healthy because when she was, she was dunking on people in the WSL and she had me very shook. And Everton and her, unfortunately, haven't really recovered from her injuries that she's had. So Hoping that she's uh, good there. Uh, Courtney, what were your initial thoughts on seeing this trade? Well, first, Andre, remind me, did she ever actually get on the field for North Carolina? I, I'm trying to remember. I almost think there was like maybe a Challenge Cup situation. Because she was signed during the Challenge Cup, but she was on the, like, she was injured. If I'm yeah. remembering correctly, I don't think she's actually ever gotten on the field in North Carolina jersey. 
but please it's really hard to it's really hard to say i'm gonna look it up so you you go ahead because i i i've got to say it sounds right but i just want to make sure that's right and so the fact that she never actually played for north carolina is like deeply confusing to me maybe it was like her like maybe it was her that her injuries are way too much and houston is like making a signing of maybe she won't play right now but hopefully you know maybe towards the end of the season or maybe next year or something she'll come back be healthy things like that um i think it is a great pickup for houston um houston has been playing really really well even though they did lose to san diego which i think of all of us a lot of us were surprised about but i mean yeah houston is really really building something yeah, you were right. She had not played at all. I thought there was maybe a game where she stepped on the pitch, but nope, not at all. And so that is that's very interesting from that standpoint. Houston seems to believe either they can get her healthy or that she's healthy enough and just being wasted there. I don't know, but you would assume that medical records and information about that was passed between the team and that they're not like North Carolina's not trading a player who can't get on the pitch. Yeah, and I want to say the other thing. Well, there are two things to take my mind. One Allocation money is monopoly money. Right. I'm just saying it's it's monopoly money at this point yeah. because, like, I mean, we saw some other trades, but like how Valerie Govan is only twenty five thousand dollars in allocation money. It's like we don't know how to <laughs> evaluate black talent. Sure I'm don't. just saying it's like because I don't I don't know how she's twenty five thousand in allocation money. Yeah. When allocation money is objectively fake, it's just monopoly money at this point. I don't even think you can take allocation money. You can't take allocation money out of the NWSL. It's literally monopoly money. You can't leave the game. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, it's also concerning to me because this is now the third black attacker that has out of North Carolina. What is going on? Yeah. Because that is deeply concerning to me. It also does not surprise me that Houston is also flourishing with a lot more black and brownness. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it's a it's a trend, but it's also not a trend because we've been knew that this would happen. However, I was going to say, how many times did we say, Houston, y'all are killing, you're, 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 you're lighting the bag on fire. You know exactly what you need to do. Build a team that can relate and the city will come. Looks like they're doing it. Exactly. But yeah, the third black attacker out of North Carolina, the other two, because um, I know there's been so much trade movement, is Taylor Smith, who went to Gotham, mm-hmm. and friend of the pod, Jorian Balcom, who is, yeah. they said, is pursuing opportunities in Europe. Yeah. To my knowledge, nothing has been announced yet. But it's like that is very concerning to me maybe it's i don't want to give the benefit of the doubt but maybe they thought like diana ordonez wouldn't be as good as she is which is also to me just takes back to the you don't know how to evaluate black and brown talent because <laughs> yeah. uh diana ordonez has been balling for uva since the moment she got there yeah. um so yeah it's that's a concerning trend for me especially especially when you decided to play Voldemort up front and then brought her back and just alienated half your fan base yeah yeah the moves made to service that player versus the moves made to just let go of certain players doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless unless your front office is whack and I said whack because I wanted to say worse words so (laughs) I dug deep for that one uh but yeah, I, 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 it is concerning to me. You can like, this is, to me, this is the only one that kind of makes sense because of Ardonias. Like she's clearly the starter there. She clearly fits in very well with Dabinia and Caroline. They know where to find her, how to find her. 
Um, they're, you know, the, the service from out wide is very, very important. I mean, Carson Pickett is incredible. Um, being able to deliver um, uh, balls into her for her to be able to attack in the box. Like, yeah, she, she's your starter. You know, if you brought Gavon in thinking that, you know, it was going to be a competition and somebody was going to win out, clearly Ordonia has won. But that doesn't say, like, that doesn't tell me why Jorian Balcom was playing as a defensive midfielder in one game or why Taylor Smith just said, you know what, I'm done with y'all. You know, like, those are the questionable ones for me. So this one is still questionable because you have a player that you brought over and without stepping on the pitch for a single second, you're already done with her. Yeah, there are, there are, there are a lot of questions to be asked, even more, <laughs> or even more than normal, but a lot of questions to be asked about what the hell is going on with Carolina. Yeah, 100%. So especially when you see, like, if we do see Govan this season, I'm sure she will be electric. Thinking yes. also how about how Taylor Smith is uh, has been electric for Gotham. So and also, like, we knew that North Carolina was struggling when uh, Caroline wasn't there. Cause she yeah. really is the centerpiece of their attack. And it's like, you have a proven goal scorer. You have two. I mean, three truly, if you um, if you lump Smith into the group as well. But I, my memory has gotten a little bit shaky. But like, I can guarantee to you, I one hundred percent remember seeing Jordan Balcom bully Saki Kumagai, and we know what Valerie Govan can do. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. you have three proven attackers and goal scorers on your bench. What are you doing? Yeah, and I'm a, and I'm gonna warn everybody right now. I don't think I tweeted it yet. I'm going to tweet. But uh, I said it in the Slack chat. Listen, y'all listen. Do not let Houston mess around and win an NWSL championship. I will become <laughs> ungovernable. <laughs> I will be a menace. I will lose my... It ain't even my squad, but I just like so many of the players, like what they're doing, saying, oh, you don't think FD Salmon can play in this league? Cool. Give us... Give her here. And then, you know, same thing with Maria Sanchez. Keep bringing her back and saying, oh, Okay. Liga and Mekki Swim Neil ain't really the jam, so we're just gonna bring her here and have her cut people up, cut defenders up all game and and deliver assists and and put people in highlight reels. Okay, cool. And now Govon coming too. I'm like, yeah, listen, I like the moves. I very much like the moves. And if they end up lifting a trophy, I'ma talk. I'ma talk a lot. Well, it's also like actually I'll just transition us. They also just got Caprice Didasco, formerly of Gotham. Yeah. 2021 Defender of the Season. Mm-hmm. Gotham. <laughs> Gotham, Gotham, Gotham. Uh, well, I will also say, uh, Gotham also just signed Bruninha, who mm-hmm. is currently with the Brazilian U20 team and has seven caps to the Brazilian Senior National Team. Uh, she plays right back. Everything I've seen about her so far from people who know stats and have watched her play, all very good things. And Gotham also picked up Victoria Pickett from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, also want to give a shout out to Victoria Pickett for being great at like photoshopping abilities. I don't know if she made those graphics, <laughs> but I'm just saying they were a pleasure to see. Um, and I want to start by saying these pickups are great, great, like great players going to bring like younger players going to bring some life to the club. However, <laughs> yes, great new young signings, but also to me, not the areas of most concern because as I got them, definitely needs a six. And you definitely need a new goalkeeper. Not saying that Betos is not great, but Betos is also 36, 37. I don't know, like, how much longer is she really going to be playing? Maybe she'll play until she's 40. I don't know, but I'm just saying. Um, so that's 
like that's what gives me a bit of pause i know everyone online was like very excited and i was like yes these are great players however they're not going to fix the current problems that you have and maybe they're like gotham is finding a coach i mean i think humanities is great and like even though gotham have lost the past two games one gotham to me has like those are (laughs) the two best games that gotham has ever like has played this season like they were together things were less leaky they had like for the first time i think i'd ever seen looked like had fight in them played together as a team like hugh menzies has been doing great great things for gotham and also if he continues putting ali krieger at the six honestly i'm not too mad at it i wish i could be mad madder about it but she has a great touch great vision like positioning will come a bit better but i also think it's great because it frees up McCall's or Boney to not be a six, which I think yeah, is I mean, important. Think for for me, I think the the question really is like, can Krieger hold up in that position? She's thirty eight, and so that's the question. Like, can she hold up for multiple games in that position? You know, week after week in the NWSL, perhaps, maybe. You know, she is smart about the way that she plays, taking care of herself as well. So, like, not questioning like fitness levels or anything, but it is. At, I mean, I mean it's a lot more it. running. It's like <laughs> exactly. triple the time. It's, it is a lot to play, particularly in this league. You don't really get to kind of sit back and facilitate. You have to constantly move and and try to interrupt things, get physical, um, and of course play the ball around. You know, evade players. You know, you try to you know well make good say- choices in front of pressing players. Like you, you have to you have to be there. And, and like I think she had a great game, and I would be interested to see her there again because it was awesome to see. But the question is like. Is that the solution even for the rest of the season? Is that, is that the solution? Well, so the, the reason why I think Alec Krieger could be great as a six is because I agree with everything that you're saying, but I do think having, like, and I know Gotham is a team full of vets, but having, like, a, a very veteran player protecting your back line that also, and I know Kai McCullough, friend of the pod, um, said this either to Shea Butter FC or to another... I can't remember how I learned this information, but I agree with it. Where Kai was saying that, oh, I think she's talking about like, um, like who, like what player you would mold into a six out of like a starting 11. She was like, you mold a center back yeah. because they already have all the defensive traits and they can yeah, be super shaped. Like, yeah, it was on Shaper FC. I was like, I'm 95%. I'm like hundred percent sure it came from them. I just don't know how I actually learned <laughs> that information from them. Um, and it's like, I completely agree. And I think you can see that in this. It's almost like the peace of mind she gave to the rest of the Gotham midfield. And like, maybe that like toward the end of the season, like that's the most important. Um, I completely agree in terms of like being, you run so much more as a six than you do as a center back. Um, but yeah, and maybe it's a thing of finding a way of like getting Ali Krieger more involved in the game as a center back or something like that. Um but yeah, it was just like the way, like the actual sol- solidity. I think that's a word. Sure. More, go, come, come with me on this journey with this word. <laughs> um, but she just like gave something completely different to Gotham. And I think that is really important. Um, but yeah, like, also, I do want to say that I think Hugh Menzies, I don't know who taught McCall Zerboni to do a step over. <laughs> but all I'm saying is I've never seen it before in a competitive match. And she was doing step overs and flicks and stuff. And I said, who taught her this? How did this happen? <laughs> Hugh Menzies is doing other things to this team. 
Um, <laughs> and I also, I, so I asked him a few questions post game and I think he's completely right in his assessment of Gotham at the moment of the midfields getting better. I honestly, it's just like the team having a game plan instead of trying to have 11 players group, think a game plan. That's never going to work. It's yeah. never going to work. Um, but it's like defense making a lot less mistakes, midfield making a lot me- less mistakes. Like this team is definitely growing. And I think, and I tweeted this out and even though Gotham did score, it's like kind of felt different of, I think Gotham just like, they like, they just need the goals. And it's not like you don't have great players to give you those goals, but I think for Hugh in the next few weeks, and hopefully Gotham does not finish at the bottom of the table. Um, and like, you know, starts picking up more points and stuff. Cause also I will say those two games that they lost, those games are on a knife's edge. Like yeah. it wasn't like Gotham was getting wildly outplayed. Um, like, especially in that Houston game of Gotham, if those, if the front three were honestly in like good scoring form for club, I will like specifically for a club because also scoring for club is different than scoring for country. But if any of them were in a red hot streak, like Gotham would have beaten Houston. Cause if you watch the first, like kind of like actually Leon Riata's, like if you watch the first 25 minutes of that game, like Midge was all over them. Ify was all over them. Paige Monahan all over them. Like there were big moments where it's like Gotham, like for the, I think that was maybe the first game that Gotham actually beat another team's XG. And so it's like, you just you just got put the put the ball in the back of the net. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a question yeah. for you. Um, yeah. So um, I I do agree with your overall assessment that these aren't really the players you need, but I'm I'm going to also assume that Gotham is not done and that they will do a lot of work in the off season. However, I know we mentioned earlier, and you mentioned rightly so, that allocation money is monopoly money. It's not real. It's it's monopoly uh, money. Right. <laughs> However, draft picks are real. And unfortunately, we still have to deal with the damn draft. I say abolish the draft and all of that, but we have the system we have. Victoria Pickett, that seemed to be an awful lot of money. Like, and, and it actually is funny because you look at, you know, to, to your point about evaluating black talent, it's very interesting that like a draft pick in what, like 200K goes and Govan is 25K. And that's it. It's always, it's like very funny to me that you just don't know how to evaluate talent. There's that big of a discrepancy. But also, I think the overall consensus is Gotham way overpaid. What are your thoughts on, like, what they gave up for Victoria? Yeah. And so this is the interesting bit, because if you've been closely paying paying attention to Gotham the past few seasons, they had been slowly picking up a good amount of allocation money yeah. through, like, various trades, um, things like that. Like, they got a boatload of allocation money for Kaylin Sheridan. Pretty sure they also got a significant amount for Didi Heritage. So it's not like they didn't have the money to go out and buy a player. I don't want to say buy a player. Trade for a player. Um, But yeah, like, I can't lie, I was really surprised. Because also if you think about the deal that they also just recently had of Caprice Idasco going to Houston for 120000 in allocation money, with and that that deal could go up to 150k if um caprice plays in any of the postseason games um and so yeah that that number is like really really interesting to me i will say about the draft pick that that draft pick is not exactly gotham's Mm -hmm. it's half gotham's half ol reigns yeah (laughs) now i don't look you can't ask me to explain why that is (laughs) i don't have the answers of why that is 
<laughs> because <laughs> this league has fake rules. I don't know. Um, but yeah, 200K is is definitely a lot for a player who, yes, has a really, really high ceiling, but she's also like a young, like she's a young player. And I don't mean that as a dig, but like she didn't get called up on that Olympic squad for Canada. If I, if my memory is serving me well, she also was not on Canada's CONCACAFW championship roster, even though she has featured for like, she has featured for Canada a few times. Um, And so, yeah, I think when you, are a player with a high ceiling, but also when you are, let's say, unproven in that way, that it will bring a lot of question marks to, you know, like, is 120k worth it? Uh, or sorry, not 120k. Is 200,000 yeah, worth it? Twenty, I'm good. With. I was like, yeah. a lot. <laughs> I know, I messed up. Um, but yeah, so but, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean. Uh, I mean, the money is fake, and I don't really, you know, like, it ain't my money, so I don't really care. Um, and that's kind of how I view most decisions in the transfer market. I think it's kind of funny that a lot of people argue about who overpaid for this or that, and I'm like, the prices, like, like your, uh, how a team values somebody. So if you're thinking of the stability of Kansas City, and Kansas City doesn't need to rock the boat at all. They don't need to change players or do anything. They're doing very well this season. Um, even without their star players that they brought in, and Lynn Williams and Sam Lewis, they're doing extremely well. Lola Bonta might be a, a shortlisted MVP candidate, not just for the celebration, but just because she's been falling <laughs> all season. Um, and and so if you're a team like Gotham, though, you need to make moves. And the way you make moves is by perhaps you need to overpay um, and to get a team's attention that doesn't really need to make a move for themselves. They could just keep her and say, hey, we're going to rock with her and we, we might need her in the playoffs or something. So. Like, I can kind of see both sides of it. I just am, like, curious about, my, like, the biggest thing for me is the draft pick um, because that's a player. You know, money ain't really a player. The We know that, like, allocation money is going to, like, it goes up every single year in the league, so it may not even matter in terms of how much they got. As Courtney mentioned, like, Gotham is sitting on a bunch from a lot of other deals, so it's not that massive of a deal as long as it doesn't prevent them from making other moves, and I don't think it will, so. Well, I will also say Gotham. Gotham sells a first round draft pick. Yeah. Like yeah. they sell like mm-hmm. a top oh, 10, 10 five, I don't know what the how many people are going to be in the first round, but they still they did not relinquish that top like that top top draft pick. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's a really fair question to ask and I also one thing that I think about it is and I mean, we see this in like all over the men's game is with a player for that price tag even though allocation money is literally monopoly money, that also comes with a lot of expectations. Like you will be expected to come in and make an immediate impact. Um, I'm trying to remember, let's see if I can find this way back when, but I'm trying to remember um, the deal Gotham had for, okay, wait, ooh, wait, ha, 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 uh, for Christy Mewis. So, yeah. (laughs) So they basically priced Christy Mewis and Victoria Pickett at the same price because Gotham... (laughs) during the expansion draft gave San Diego $200,000 for the rights to Christy Mewis. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I can't lie. I really do think it's a fair question. And one thing I'm going to be curious about is, you know, how she integrates into the team. She does seem very, very excited to be with the team. And I think that's really important as well. Um, Because I know with like 
a lot of players were particularly sad. Um, well, a lot of fans were particularly sad when, for example, Capri Stidasco left. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, honestly, there's still just some question For me, there's still some question marks um, around Gotham. And while these, like, these pickups I've gotten are, they're great play. Like, they're, they should be great players. But to me, the big thing is areas of concern and like areas where you really need to improve. And to me, an eight is not the most important area. And right back, I mean, yes, obviously right now you don't have, like you traded away Capri Sidasco and then Ellie Jean got hurt last game. <laughs> who is, oh, who? <laughs> Sabrina Flores gonna, sorry. I was just like, who's now gonna play right back for, for Gotham against Angel City this weekend? Um, But yeah, like that's just... I'm just like, n- not necessarily the areas of concern for me. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I agree. I just think. Oh, they have no. Jenna Bikes, sorry. Jenna Bikes a baller. Yeah. They'll be fine. Jenna yeah. Bikes is an absolute I just, baller. I just think they got to, you know, it's it's going to be interesting what they add to this. I think they needed to start the rebuild, particularly the players they lost. So you have to do something. And so even though this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, it makes sense from the standpoint of doing something. Um, let's talk about the NWSL table real quick. And then, um, I'm going to do just a little, a, a couple words on Chris Ward's situation. Cause I really want to get to the U S women's national team talk. Um, so the NWSL table, if you've looked at it, it's ridiculous right now. Absolutely ridiculous. Three teams are on 28 points. Portland has 28, but they got two games in hand, um, uh, on San Diego, the Wabe and, uh, <laughs> San Diego, the Wabe. I like that. Not just San Diego, Wabe. It's the Wabe. Um, and Houston, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but then you got Kansas City with 26, All Rain 24, Chicago 23, Angel City 22, Orlando 21. You also have North Carolina who has 13 points, but they they're three games behind most teams uh, at the moment. And so you know, of course, who knows if they can go three and zero? They play Portland on Wednesday, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, they could climb up there and be one of those teams hovering around that 20 point mark as well on games played on the same number of games played as some of the others. So like right now it's getting tight y'all and it's looking like it's good. Like every, every week has been like shuffling the table and it's been cool to see because you have some teams like Chicago with all their injuries, they're kind of needing to stop a slide. They slid down the table a bit and you got teams surging like Houston and, uh, and Kansas city. Yeah, San Diego, who was, you know, sliding a little bit until they beat Houston. So, like, you like, every week, every result, like, makes, like, big changes to the table. It's like Houston was sitting at number two for a while. Now they're three. So, like, it's really, really dope. Um, Gordon, you're, and, and do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, my last thought is, like, you know, as the chief president founder of Go to Games campaign, the hashtag Go, Get, Go to Games campaign, uh, now's the time. Get your ass to games. Yeah, I think it's a really great time to come to games. Um, and it, like, look, that game, Gotham versus Angel City this weekend, it's going to be lit. It's it's going to be lit. It's yeah. going to be a great time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think for the table, it's just like, <laughs> it's just like the end of yourself is shaken up. Because also in that, um, you know, Chicago is on a two-game losing streak. Like, there are... There are a lot of interesting things going on, and now there are what six games left for some teams. Math, yeah, six, six for some. Yeah, um, we're getting we're getting down to it. Yeah, so I think it's going to be really interesting, and I'm you know, especially now having the final the final officially happening at Audi Field, yes. officially. 
Um, don't know why they didn't announce that earlier. Also, I will be there. Right. My well, th- also since I have a place to stay, even though it's all the way uh, in Andre's least favorite place, Leesburg, Virginia. <laughs> Jesus, um, trying to make a transition, <laughs> a poor one, admittedly. Um, so the Washington Spirit notified the world that head coach Chris Ward was relieved of his duties in a 11 word tweet with no link to a statement or anything else. And it came one minute after promoting a promo for two games at Audi, one for the US Women's National Team that's coming here to play Nigeria, uh, and then also a game, uh, a spirit game. That promotional tweet went, and then a minute later, the Chris Ward announcement dropped. And there has been no other comment since from the team. And apparently, if you believe what uh, Steve Goff reports, he's a writer, a reporter for the Washington Post, that there's not going to be a statement for the spirit. This is concerning to me for a number of reasons. <laughs> uh, the obvious one, transparency. Always kind of a good thing to let people know when you make a sudden movement like that. Obviously, the results have not been good, but the timing of this seems to have caught them by surprise to not have at least a thank you graphic or something. He did win an NWSL championship with the team. So because there's no thank you, it makes me think, what were the reasons that he was let go? And whatever they are, I think a statement leaning in one direction or another, even if you don't give every detail, you say something. And so not having any information at all allows the brain to go in multiple places because you don't have any information to guide you. And that's just really bad. It's poor. We deserve an explanation um, or at least more than 11 words in a tweet. Um, And if it was just purely results-based, okay, understand that, no doubt. I mean, they have not had a good season. They have one win this season. But then you also, if there is nothing else nefarious, this is also unfair to Chris because now it makes people ask, what did happen? Did he do something that was perhaps like an, an unforgivable thing and they had to get rid of him even though they weren't planning on doing so? So yeah, I just, I'm, I'm frustrated about that situation because this front office understands the one that they replaced. They have intimate uh familiarity with them in terms of understanding how they operate. Um, we remember the, the ownership struggle, remember the racismo that was leaked from the front office, remember all of that, the quote unquote dumpling party and all of that when it came to COVID. Like you, were, you know how the previous ownership group and front office operated and there was not a lot of transparency there as well. This is also bad because there's no transparency beyond 11 words. Obviously, they are not the same sins as, as terms, in terms of ownership. You remember the spirit when they let go of Richie Burke. Initially, it was for health reasons, and he was going to have a position in the front office instead of coaching. And they realized, okay, we can't really do that because now reports are leaking and people are talking about him being an abusive rage monster. So you can't. like It's not that that we know of, but they understand that you have to be way more transparent than they've been. And it's a little frustrating to cover the team all season in a difficult season and have this drop and have no more information for ourselves or to tell anybody publicly. Well, you know as much as everybody else knows. Everybody who covers the team from, you know, people who work at The Athletic, The Washington Post, or just me at a blog for SB Nation. 
we all know the same thing and it's not enough. And that is all I have to say. Yeah, it's like, kind of like have lessons been learned um, of especially everything that happened last year and, and like from an organizational standpoint of how we're going to present this information to the public and with the NWSL in general of people like, you know, calling for so much transparency and things like that. And I think, especially to me in women's soccer, um, like on the club team level, I mean, that we are so automatically accustomed to, oh, they're getting fired because like the team had to fire them because there's some really terrible, nefarious reason behind it. And like that could very much be the case now. We just don't know. But it was just one thing that I kind of noticed with some of the reactions of everyone was like, uh, what? And then people were like, well, if it's for sporting reasons, it makes sense. But what about something else? And I feel like watching and covering this league for a long time is just like you're like always conditioned to think there is something much more nefarious going on, which there very much can be. Yeah, uh, that's that's where I am, too. I mean, I, I hope it's nothing, but it's also very difficult to know because we weren't given any additional information on anything and just not having a, a statement that says, you know, thank him for his time or whatever does make you think that things did not leave on a good note, um, whatever that note is. And so that's what is concerning. And if it's not that, they definitely didn't do anything to make it seem like it's not that at all. So um that's the part that really kind of gets me it it's hopefully we get some information hopefully somebody's able to do some digging and the, somebody convinces the spirit front office that you do need to put out a statement because that is what you do as a transparent just as a like not even for like full transparency because it's like 11 words i think any realm of anywhere knows that that is not good enough you have to do it's a tweet tweets are not official statements you have to say something all right it's time it's time it's U.S. Women's National Team talk. Let's do it. Andre, I'm not ready. <laughs> ready or not? I'm just like not ready for the bullshit from last time to continue. Okay, so U.S. Women's National Team, here we go. We have a roster that was dropped. It was for the, it is for the September friendlies against Nigeria. I believe there's a game in Kansas City. There's a game in D.C. I will hopefully be at the game in D.C. Maybe check on my stash on my credential. Anyway, moving on. 23-player uh, roster was announced. Here it is. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it. Um, goalkeepers, Aubrey Kingsbury, Spirit, Casey Murphy, Courage, Alyssa Nair, Red Stars. Defenders, we got world-class Alana Cook, O.L. Ray, Emily Fox, Rossi Louisville, Naomi Gurma, Wabe, Sophia Huerta, Rain, Kelly O'Hara, Spirit, Becky Starbrum, Portland. Midfielders, Sam Coffey, hey, what up? Uh, Portland, Lindsay Oran, Leon, Taylor Korniak, Wabe, Roosevelt, Rain, Christy Mewis, Gotham, Ashley Sanchez, Spirit, Andy Sullivan, Spirit. And the fours are Ashley Ash, Spirit, Alex Morgan, Wabe, Mallory Pugh, Red Stars, Mitch Purse, Gotham. Megan Rapino, O.L. Rain, Trinity Robin, Spirit, and Sophia Smith, Portland, Thorn. Courtney, your reaction to the roster? Um, I think my big reaction is uh, Crystal Dunn's in training camp. She's ah, in training camp yes. with the team. Okay, first of all, she literally... Marcel was born on May 20th. How? She's Babs, it's barely been eight <laughs> weeks. It's barely been eight weeks. How on earth are you back... Training like this, like that, 
That's crazy. How is she like the best? Like the first of all, goaded. Y'all know how I feel about Crystal Dunn. This podcast was almost called Crystal Dunn's Army. Look, we right. have strong feelings about her. <laughs> um, but the fact that she's just like back in training camp, it's like I'm just like, what? How? You're superhuman. You you're literally superhuman. Um some things that are interesting to me. Sam Coffee back in the mix. That's fun. Um yeah, I would say a player is added. That's probably the most interesting. I mean, it's basically the the exact same group that we saw from the CONCACAF W Championship. Yes. Actually, I think it is without yeah. Emily Sonnet because Emily Sonnet yeah. is injured. Coffee is in for Sonnet. Otherwise, it's the same. Um, which to me, I'm like, why? Correct. <laughs> like, especially <laughs> if we talk about like, I mean, we just spent the entire last 35 minutes talking about the spirit in Gotham. Like, if you say that what current form you're in matters... <laughs> which is why he left Crystal, uh, sorry, Chris and Press off the roster. Um, may we all send her deeply ancestral healing vibes, but yeah. and manifest her return. But it's like form matters for some and it doesn't for others because yeah. where's Carson Pickett? Where's AD French? Where's Katie Lund? Yeah, there, like, there are some players currently on this roster who are not in great form with their club teams. So it's like, where are they? Like, where's Lola Bonta? <laughs> like, like where, where's Lola Bonta? I have questions. Where is she? I want to see her. So, yeah, I've got, so I've, I've got two things I want to talk about regarding that. So I think I'll talk about the first thing, which is that I completely agree. This is, this approach is weird. I, re I remember heading into the Olympics. I remember post-Olympics heading into like CONCACAF W, which she believes and all of that. I remember being told a number of times when I would, you know, critique the roster drops and everything that, you know, there's just not enough time to integrate so many players. You don't have that many games. And I would look at the schedule and say, yo, this team plays a lot of games. There's one thing the U.S. Women's National Team going to do is schedule a bunch of games and it's, as often as they can. And so, like, we play a lot, especially for a national team. We play so many games. I think we we talked about it on the pods. I think, um, what, what was it? Um, Man, what was the team? Uh, there, there was a team, it was, I think it was Jamaica, who didn't have a game until uh, the last competitive game they played as a, as a group was in April before they went to play in June. Um, I think there were teams like that that were at the Euros that didn't have any games uh, leading into the Euros. We play a lot of games. There are plenty of opportunities to bring players in, and this is my overall problem with the way Black Co. and USSF are going about this. To me, they're acting like allocation is still a thing when we know it is not. With allocation gone, you do not have to have the same set of players. You do not need to rely on the same core group of players. You don't have to do that anymore. It can be a truly much more meritocratic process. Now, of course, you can have a, a, a core group of players. You don't want to call up a brand new 23 every time. But you have no idea how injuries are going to impact the squad. We saw that in the Olympics. There were injuries and we called in a bunch of injured players and they were injured. So they performed as if they were injured. Imagine that. And we ended up not performing well at that in that uh, competition. The same thing looks like going to happen if these players are not capable uh, or, or cannot stay healthy, not capable. But if they cannot stay healthy because they play a sport and sometimes these things happen, as we already know, plenty of injuries have already happened. Sam Mewis has not played. Plus the way the U.S. Women's National Team and USSF likes to treat players 
So you think about players like Juliers, you think about Lindsey Duran, you think about Sam Mewis, all three of them carrying long-term knee injuries by giving some of the weight that was put on them to play a lot for the U.S. Women's National Team, um, particularly in, in times when they were not 100% healthy or, clo- or anywhere close to it. Like, I just think that you are missing such an opportunity when it comes to building a team to spread it out. And I think part of this is Blacko's problem and the way that he constructs a team. I think that he still operates as a club manager. He wants to have his core group of players who understand intricacies of his system, and he does not have time or the ability to, to whittle that information into bite-sized chunks so that he can deliver it to more and more players as he gets, as he gets introduced to them uh, within camp. So he's very, very reliant on a core group of players, whether they are the best players or not. And that leads me to my next point, because ain't no way Ashley Hatch should be on this team ahead of me official. And that's something that really bothers me, because if you're looking at saying, you know, you really built your system to operate with somebody who works as well as a false nine, such as Katarina Macario, when she is not there, we don't have another player who can even mimic that. Alex Morgan cannot. Ashley Hatch cannot. Me official can. And this is a player that absolutely should be a part of this team. And when Blacko was asked about it, he did not have great things to say in terms of great things to say, as in reasonable explanations about what, because really there are none, but he didn't have anything to say that made me feel the slightest bit good that eventually maybe she would get an opportunity. Here are the quotes that he said when asked about me official. I believe the homie Donald Wine asked the question on the presser. Um, he said, quote, I have not had a conversation with Mia. Right off the bat, why not? Like, objectively, <laughs> Let's continue. <laughs> we do follow her form and her performances, but I also have to say there are a lot of players in NWSL that are performing as good or maybe better than Mia that we're very happy to see. Where are they? Who are they? Savannah DeMello might be one. Shane on this squad. Let's continue. Ultimately, that's what raises the level of play for everybody, for the whole NWSL and helps the players that are in our camp, that are in our environment, perform or prepare even better. Again, where are they? There is no competition if the same players keep getting called in. Continue. Going back to Mia, like I said, we have not been in contact, and she does need to continue playing well and show consistency, and for more than two or three games, a consistent 10 to 15 games to prove that she belongs on the best team in the world. She Bro, has. Have you, she has been playing games. Are you not paying attention to, to the way that this like league works? It hasn't just been like a flash in the pan. She's been there. She's been playing games. Anyway, let's continue. Other than that, no player who's playing at a high level for their club, whether that's in the NWSL or anywhere outside of the NWSL, is out of the picture for selection for camps or matches. That statement, I'm going to read it again. No player who is playing at a high level for their club, whether that's in the NWSL or anywhere outside of the NWSL, is out of the picture for selection for camps or matches. Bro, based on your track record, that is 100% not true. Like Christy Mueller got in, Taylor Corniak got in. Nobody else has been able to crack that team with their performances. That has absolutely not been true. You can even look at it with the goalkeepers. Casey Murphy has not had a good year. Where's Katie Lund? Where's A.D. French? She's been exceptional this year. Like, I, that is absolutely not a true statement. And don't phrase it. Like, this is what frustrates me about him. If you're going to ride with a core group of players, then just say that. But don't act like it's an open competition that players aren't good enough because they are. You're just not calling them in. I, yeah. And like, also it's like, 
So I pulled up some stats from FB Rev. And besides the fact that now I'm so thrilled Diana Ordonez chose to play for Mexico. She seems so happy. However, when I was doing all all of my big statistics and stuff prepping for the CONCACAFW Championship, Diana Ordonez was literally a part of all of the US youth team like youth teams. She was literally a part of all all of them. And what's concerning to me, and this goes back to a larger point I have about, I mean, the, the U.S. system in general is evaluating talent. If you'd watched Diana Ordonez, which I have been very lucky to have watched for the past few years, you know she is a proven goal scorer as a baller. Yeah, you might say, okay, well, she's playing against college defenses. And it's like, okay, well, also some of them college defenses, like Naomi Grandma literally just walked straight into the starting 11 of an NWSL team. So really, what's your point? But it's like... And I don't know how hard they fought, like, U.S. soccer fought for a player like Diana Ordonez. But, like, she should have had, for example, like, a call-up to the national team. Because players, like, they just basically need to have three... They can't have more than three competitive appearances for a national team. And then they, they then they like, have to submit a one-time waiver. It's complicated. But it's like, okay, fine. What about... I mean, it, like, it's really good question, especially if you look at the... The stats, like, where's Lola Bonta? Lola Bonta has five goals and four assists. Where's Yasmin Ryan? If, like, if we want to talk about players who are currently in very good form, and I'm looking at this, like, these stats for players, players who are not currently in the, mis- in the mix who are leading assists, Yasmin Ryan, Carson Pickett, Lola Bonta, Shea Groom. You want to talk about, um, like, for literally Lola Bonta's number four, tied with Mal Pugh in terms of goals and assists. Um, but also if it's like, okay, you want to talk about, you know, what's, where's a a lot of question marks for the U.S. Women's National Team? The six. You know who has, who's number two this season in terms of interceptions? Danny Colaprico. Like, there, like, and I bring these players up because there are so many players, and I mean, that's not even talking about me official, who, like, has truly been balling. It's like a, um, I actually retweeted this a few days ago, and it was from... A great Twitter follow, AJ, who talks a lot about Liga Mekis Femenil. And he tweeted out, Mia Official, since joining Tigres, has played 26 games, has scored 19 goals, and has at least six assists. What do you mean she is not performing better than any other NWSL player? What, like, what do you mean? You can tell her, like, communication's important. You are the national team coach. If there's something you need to see her do, why not tell her you need to see her do this? It doesn't make it like the like the stats alone, the performances alone warrant a call up, but to not have communicated with her at all about what she can do to get on the radar and to earn a call up doesn't make any sense at all. And that's part of my point is like, clearly you have no intention of calling her up. Otherwise you'd be communicating with her. You'd be watching the games. You'd understand that she's not, that she is performing at a very high level right now with that, with Tigres, like you would know these things. I just, it's so frustrating. And, and I think the thing for me is that it doesn't have to be like this. We got rid of allocation. Like, look, look at the Euros. Like, look what, you can have a very talented squad and get wrecked. We saw Norway get wrecked. Mm-hmm. We saw Italy get wrecked. You can have a talented squad and mess up on your, on what you do in terms of implementing your style, in terms of bringing in players, you have to get things right now. You can't just say, okay, we're the U.S., we're the best, 
we're going to bring up a, a core group of players and it's going to work. Look at the Olympics. Didn't work then. Like there are so many examples, both past and present, <laughs> of like this is no longer the way to go in the larger landscape of women's soccer when it comes to international tournaments. Yeah, you're setting yourself up and the, and a lot of the team up to fail, and that is what's frustrating to me. And not not I won't say to fail in terms of like not winning a World Cup because we're winning World Cups is very hard to do. I just mean in terms of not being able to put our best players out there and in the best positions to perform. Like simple things. You mentioned a number of players that should be on the team. Carson Pickett, another one. Why are we only taking six defenders? Bring Carson Pickett along. Like, why did you introduce her and then like she doesn't have a chance to get on yet? What is she? What is her? Have you been watching her performances? She's been exceptional. You can't tell me that her performances don't warrant a call up. It's just like you have a core group of players you want to work with. So just say that. It, yeah, it's so, I mean, like I can literally throw in so many more players. I mean, players who we've been saying like should be called up, Jess McDonald. Also, if you want to talk about like CeCe, I mean, Vlaco, we saw you at that Angel City, Kansas City current game. Like, <laughs> Killing me that he's at games. I know. Why? Like CeCe Kaiser <laughs> could, like there are so many players that weren't, a call up and yeah I do think I completely agree with you Andre it's the most frustrating part is like you just want a core group of players and then like maybe if a player happens to tap dance while riding a horse on a unicycle then maybe they can get called into the team but it's like then just say that stop saying oh yeah we monitor performances a lot and all of these things because if we're looking at the roster I would say at least nine of the 23 are not performing in the way they should be performing so it's like make it make sense yeah and then we get to move on and close this with our favorite topic as as courtney mentioned this podcast was almost named some variation of protecting crystal dunn crystal dunn's army something like we had a number of dunn's them yeah, yes we, we had a bunch of them um actually Maybe lucky that, that we that we released it that we started this podcast before she was pregnant because done in the oven was like classic and that would have been hilarious. I don't know how <laughs> it would have made that a podcast title, but it would have been hilarious. Maybe so, a little creepy, but it would have been hilarious. Or some like <laughs> Marcel's mama's fan group or something. Right, exactly. Yeah, that that would have been amazing. But in the aftermath of the roster drop, people were doing their thing on microphones, analyzing it. And the topic of Crystal Dunn came up because as Courtney mentioned, she is back training with the team. She's not going to appear in any game. understand that as he works her way back from having given birth. Um, but the question was again asked somehow, do you really want to see Crystal Dunn in midfield? Allie Wagner decided to act, to react with some perplexed white womanness of over who? And I just thought that was ridiculous because do you not know who Crystal Dunn is? Have you not been aware of her her entire career? She is not a left back. It is her third best position. And she was good enough at it to help the team win a World Cup. In fact, she was good enough at it to neutralize France's wide players, which are exceptional, as we know, in order for us to be able to win a World Cup. She is the best player that this country has ever produced. Her best positions are further up the pitch. One of them that she has been vocal about wanting to play and liking to play is an attacking mid role. When you look at the attacking mids on the team, please tell me 
why you think any of them besides perhaps Rose LaBelle has a guaranteed slot on this team. Christy Mewis should not have a guaranteed slot on this team. Taylor Korniak should not have a guaranteed slot on this team. I love Ashley Sanchez. I think she is exceptional. I, I do not think that she should have a guaranteed slot on this team. I would like to see her on this team, but in terms of who, who I need to choose, like if Crystal Dunn is fully healthy, like people just do, I do not understand why people do not understand how good Crystal Dunn is. We have seen her win a golden boot and an MVP as a forward. We have seen her be a, a centerpiece in terms of goal, goal creation and goal scoring as an attacking mid on a dynasty team than that North Carolina Courage team. Which, by the way, I went back and looked at the stats, and my God, that team was ridiculous. <laughs> it was, ignore the coach, that team was ridiculous. If you can find old games of theirs, please watch them because that team moving as they moved, like with the talent they had, it was magic. Wild to watch. And also, you, also, this is another thing, and we're going to talk about this in another episode. Leave the Lynn Williams hate out of my face because she was so key to that team and so damn good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Crystal Dunn did that, and then she played left back for the U.S. Women's National Team. The only pl- I sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, go for it. But Crystal Dunn is so talented that she took a position that she not once in her whole life played and made that position her own. Yeah. Why would you not want a player like that who has yeah. the soccer IQ, talent, and ability to go? to a completely different position from the center of the mm-hmm. park to outside back and still excel at it. Excel. Crystal never got worked. She yep. never got worked in the way that, for example, we saw Rachel Daly do. And I don't want to put shame on mm-hmm. Rachel Daly's name. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. she got worked for a few goals at the Euros. Why would you not want a player like that who is so smart and so crafty and so talented dictating your attack from the center right. of the field? I'm literally pulling yeah. my mic away from my mouth because I'm about to start screaming. <laughs> it makes me so mad. Who was she going to bench? Everyone. I was going to say, pick a number. Everyone. Pick a number. What do you mean? That's Crystal Dunn. Build this team pick around her. You will have long lasting success for as long as she wants. We can, we literally have a player who can revolutionize if she wants to the 10 position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and yet we're putting her at outside back it's the lack of vision that gets me for some people because yes there are some people that understand that that is not her preferred or her best position but then to me to, um, to know that first of all you have to know that because that's just a fact like that's a that's like that is just a fact but to know that and then not want what it could possibly think about this do not tell me that you're more intrigued to see, you know, I want to see Ashley Sanchez. Or I want to see what Kristen Muse can do. Or I want to see, do you not understand Crystal Dunn behind Katarina Macario with Mallory Pugh to her right, Sophia Smith to her left? Do not tell me that is not unstoppable. You cannot tell me that. You're- you absolutely cannot. And as a person who, if you enjoyed the game of soccer, if you enjoy the U.S. Women's National Team winning and scoring goals, why in the hell would you not want to see? Like, this is what gets me is like, not only is it disrespectful to, to Crystal Dunn, who's been nothing but exceptional, I keep, keep messing up with that word, who has been nothing but great over the course of her career at multiple positions, 
but think about what we have the opportunity to put onto the pitch. How do you not have the capacity in your brain to understand how good that would be? How do you not want to see that? Like if another country had the ability to put that together, it would be a no brainer. Like it doesn't make any sense to me how we do not understand the talent that we have right in front of us and people want to say, no, she's a left back. Emily Fox is a natural left back and she's been good. We have that, like we, we can get into a discussion much later about why the U.S. Women's National Team and U.S. Soccer Federation just did not refuse to develop outside backs. We can talk about that for days. But regardless, we have Emily Fox. There is no reason, and we have said this for a number of times on this podcast, there's absolutely no reason why Crystal Dunn should have to play left back ever again for the remainder of her U.S. soccer career. I mean, we always say put some respect on many players' names. But it's like, besides the fact that you need to put some major respect on Crystal Dunn's name, I think you guys have all, like, magically forgotten how many times she saved the U.S. in the back, too. Yeah. Like, it just, I feel like, (laughs) okay, Andre, this is going to be a journey, but come on it with me. (laughs) You know, when you go in places, like, journalism organizations love saying this, like, you need to make your dues before you can do what you really want. (laughs) Yeah. Some honestly, some it's just some white bullshit. Yeah. It's only correct. Crystal Dunn has done her dues. She has been. She should not have had to. She should not have had to in the first place. But fine. She quote unquote did her dues. Let her play in the best position in her best position. Like it's also it's like it makes no sense because it's a bad sporting move. Yep. Like you want to win games. You want the U.S. to be dominant. How about you put this player that has done all those things can turn a ball, like truly turn a game on its head out of nowhere. I keep thinking back to last season when Portland visited Gotham. I don't know how Gotham didn't get seen, <laughs> but Portland won that game one nil because Crystal Dunn put the ball in the one spot that Kaylin Sheridan could not reach and yeah. turned that game on its head in a From split outside the box. second from outside the box. Why don't you want that on your national team? Yep. It's just so frustrating. And I also want to talk about something that Sylv said, friend of the pod. I already mentioned her. How people think the narrative that Crystal Dunn getting cut from the 2015 roster made her better. Oh, God. Yeah. No, she went on a revenge tour. Have we learned nothing from the revenge tours? <laughs> have we learned nothing? There have been so many players that deserve to get called up, deserve to be on these rosters, and deserve to play in the positions that they should be playing in. If you don't have a left back, don't take your best offensive player and make them a left back. Either change formation so you're playing with wing backs or look at the literal league created to fill in the national team because that's really what all club leagues are made to do is fill up, like is create a pool for their national team and call in a left back. Like it's... Andre, I'm so mad. This is now our heated and hyped. <laughs> yes. Because we're like so excited she's back, but the bullshit continues. Yeah. It just, it will never stop. Like, build the team around her. This U.S. team could be, like, could dominate in ways the world has not seen before. If you somehow, and I mean, I think it's possible to put Crystal Dunn, Katarina Macario, and Rose Lavelle, in the midfield together. 
We talked about it beforehand. Remember our dream scenario of Crystal playing in the 10 and then her and Kat just decide to switch just to fuck Mm. it up a little bit? Yep. Yep. Like, the options are there and it is... The IQ, the technical ability, everything. It's right there. It's what you want to see. It should be what Blacko wants. This This is the intricacy of a system that he wants. If you can only run it with Katarina Macario and she's not there, okay, we understand. But when she is there, how do you not use one of the smartest, one of the best attacking players in the midfield that we've had? And she can rotate out wide as well, so you can tuck in Pew or Smith or both. Like you have a an incredibly fluid front four if you you if you run Crystal Dunn out there with those three. I, how do you not like i feel like i'm gonna have to get on fifa and just make it happen my damn self because people just do not have the vision to see this and i don't understand that because it's incredible like the thought the idea it would be so good it would be so good it would be such an unstoppable thing and it's wild to me that like it's it seems so obvious that it's like I know you and I are both shouting about it and apologies, but not apologies because we just we should be shouting about it. I'm not this. sorry. I'm mad. But, but like, it seems so obvious that like, how, why do we need to have this much passion to talk about something that's so obvious? It doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. It would be so much fun to watch those four on the pitch together. And they would terrorize teams. Because that's the whole point of the national so team much. is they want to win. They just right. want to win. They They want to win everything. Like even, and you want to, Andre, I know, I know we said we were going to stop bringing up the Olympics, but I can't (laughs) stop because (laughs) remember when the U.S. was down against Canada and we thought for a moment we were going to see Crystal down in the midfield and he put it right center back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was very mad about that. I will never forgive that moment. I can eventually get over Kat only having seven, seven minutes in the Olympics. I will. I, I'm, you got to give me like 10 years, but I'll, I'll eventually get over it. No, I will I'll never get over it. Wilding about that. No, <laughs> <laughs> I will never ever in my life. I don't care if she becomes a starting 10 and never leaves. I will never get over when the U S really needed a goal in the Olympics. So they could try to make it to that gold medal game. And they said, Hey, remember this bomb ass <laughs> player? And you said, let's make her a right center back and a back three. <laughs> and I feel like a lot of people forgot about that moment. Yeah. I will never forget that moment. Yeah. That makes me so mad. I'm now like objective. I'm, I was mad when we started talking about people disrespecting Crystal Dunn, but now I'm like really mad <laughs> because yeah. you put her at right center back. I'm so mad about this. <laughs> like, oh. And the thing that gets on my nerves is that people like, even if Vlatko won't do it, There are people that will completely defend the decision and people that will call other people like us ridiculous and try to say that, oh, well, you know, that's great and all, but she's much better as a left back. No, she is not. That is her her best position. No, she is not. She's very good at it because she's an exceptional player. Like she is incredible. Why would you not want to see her at one of the other two positions that she plays much better than she plays left back? Like... I told somebody on Twitter today, if she impressed you a left back, just wait. Wait till you see her in midfield. Just, it's also like, <laughs> you don't watch soccer. Right. You don't, you can't tell me you watch soccer and you say Crystal Dunn is best as left back. Right. I don't care yep. if you play all around the world and you have gold medals. If you say her best position is a left back. Yep. You're wild. 
What game? We are not watching the same game. No, she's great at it, but that is not the best use of her talent. It's just it, it never was, and it's still not. Nothing's changed. It's still not, and we knew that going in. Like, yeah, she performed well in there because she's very good. Like, that's on. That's for her. Like, that's something that should be used to bolster her resume and for for you to talk about how good she is, not for you to pigeonhole her in a position that she that is not her best or that she doesn't even like playing all that much. Like it makes me very frustrated because she had to come out and say these things. And we still have people coming out of their mouths. Like, well, who you put her over in this midfield? Yo, Everyone. throw a dart, throw a dart. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. Like it, I'm sorry Everyone. if that happens to be you. Cool. But Crystal Dunn's better than you the way that it is. Cause she is. And I don't like, it is just, yeah, I, I know we're getting repetitive, but it's just like, I don't know how else to say it. How do you not understand how good Crystal Dunn is? How? How is that possible? Like, people love marveling at Kat, and Kat is an absolutely spectacular player. But, like, we could have had 100 caps worth of that already. Crystal Dunn has over 100 caps on the national team. We could have had that at She Believes Cups, at Olympics, Mm -hmm. multiple World Cups. And in the world, in the I'm just quoting sales a lot today. I think we're just having a real <laughs> twin moment, honestly. But it's like, do you want to be white or do you want to win? Yeah. And they've chosen to be white and just so happen to win. And babes, the world's changing. That's not going to fly anymore. Yeah, that ain't good enough. We, we've, and we've seen it hasn't been good enough. <laughs> like they, they won Concav W, but I'll tell you, if you watch those games, there were nervy moments. Haiti was on our necks. Haiti Yo. sent Becky to the afterlife. Like, like we. Why did you bring it up, my girl? <laughs> I'm sorry, Becky. It you deserve that. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I think we, about it every time I see her play. We we got we got fortunate. We did put in some some decent performances. The game against Canada was good. Like, and the game against Jamaica was Sophia Smith going off. So, like, we can still do that uh, from time to time. But I'm just I'm just saying, like, it wasn't a walk. It was not a walk, and it. Yeah, landscape is changing. It's you keep doing what you're doing and acting like it's gonna work. We already have evidence that it's not. I don't know why you would ignore that, but it seems like people are content on doing that. I just I hate it here. Take us out of the bad place. Let us live in the light of Crystal Dunn playing as a ten on the national. Amen. Thanks for listening to Diaspora United podcast. Please subscribe and rate and review us anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Diaspora United Pod. That's Diaspora UTD POD. And message us if there's anything you want us to talk about in our next podcast. See you next time.